Good evening. I'm Rick Cottom. Welcome to Your Maryland. On April 10, 1912, shortly after noon, RMS Titanic of the White Star Line, representing the height of Edwardian engineering and luxury, left Southampton on her maiden voyage to New York. Since how one traveled was every bit as important as where one went, the men and women in her first-class cabins were the cream of American and British society. Among them were Philadelphia banker William E. Carter, his wife, the former Baltimore debutante Lucille Polk, their two children, and two servants. A year earlier, they'd gone to Europe with their polo ponies, and now they were coming home in style. When not taking in the view from the upper decks, Mr. Carter and his popular wife, who some said looked like a perfect Gibson girl, could be found chatting with John Jacob Astor over coffee, mingling with prominent members of Philadelphia society, or passing the time with J. Bruce Ismay, the chairman of the White Star Line. All went splendidly until 11.40 on their fifth night out, when the Titanic, cruising through a calm sea at just over 22 knots, passed too close to an iceberg and suffered a gash down a quarter of her starboard side below the waterline. Most passengers felt only a slight change in the ship's vibrations until the captain stopped the engines. Most of those in first class felt nothing at all. Some caroused in the ice that had fallen onto the deck or playfully put pieces of it into their drinks. They didn't know the wireless operator was sending a distress signal, but if they had, they wouldn't have worried. Titanic's new watertight doors and superior construction would keep her afloat even though damaged. As one crewman told a woman when the decks began to slant ever so slightly forward, God himself couldn't sink this ship. Soon thereafter, though, the crew called everyone on deck with their life belts and began to lower the boats. William Carter told Lucy to get up and dress yourself and the children, then went looking for other Philadelphians. The unwritten Edwardian code for gentlemen held that women and children went into the boats first. Wearing a diamond horseshoe stickpin on her blouse, but leaving the rest of her jewelry behind where it would be safer, Lucy Carter steered her children onto boat number four on the port side and took up an oar. Meanwhile, William Carter had gone to the starboard side and joined company chairman Ismay. There were fewer people there, and when no more women or children came forward, they climbed into a partially filled boat themselves. Despite the fact that there were still scores of second- and third-class women and children aboard, the boat was lowered to the water. Apparently, they were not a gentleman's concern. At 2.20, with the band still playing, Titanic's bow plunged, and her stern rose high in the air. Those still aboard reached for something to hold on to, or jumped into the sea as she slowly sank by the bow. The temperature of the water was 31 degrees. It was nearly morning before rescue ships arrived to pick up the lifeboats. The screams and cries for help from those left behind had long since fallen silent. At 2902 St. Paul Street in Baltimore, Lucy's father was assuring reporters, it is usual in such cases that the first-class passengers are given the preference. Mrs. Carter must be among that number. He was right. At 8 o'clock, boat number 4 came alongside the Cunard steamer Carpathia, and a shivering and exhausted Lucy Carter struggled aboard. Leaning on the rail, nonchalantly watching the rescue, was her husband. He'd just had a jolly good breakfast, he told her. Then he added, he hadn't thought she would make it. A British court of inquiry later determined that the boat carrying J. Bruce Ismay and William E. Carter had left a full 15 minutes before Lucille's. A humiliated Ismay left the company and died in self-imposed exile in 1937. Suspicion that he had behaved most disgracefully also cast a shadow upon one William Carter. In 1914, Lucy sued for divorce, charging cruel and barbarous treatment and indignities to the person. Not surprisingly, she won. Mm-hmm.